of the Summer Camp Society podcast. Each episode, we're joined with guests to go over and explore some wild ideas, find tangible takeaways, and mostly have fun. Before we get started, we're going to hear from Drew and why he is a part of the Summer Camp Society membership. Hi, my name is Drew Hodge. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the Assistant Director of Education for Community Programs at the Science Museum of Virginia. I've been a Summer Camp Society member since 2019, and I think the biggest thing about the Summer Camp Society for me is the support system that it creates. I know that as camp administrators, a lot of times we can feel like we're on an island trying to create support systems for others. But I know that if I have an idea I need to work out or do brainstorming for, if I need a resource or help solving a problem, or if I really just need to vent or something like that, the Summer Camp Society and being a member of that community, I can go and do those things at any point during the day, any day of the week, and know that somebody's going to be there to help me out. And I don't think that I'd be able to find that anywhere else as a camp professional. To learn more about membership, head on over to thesummercampsociety.com. All right, take it away. And we're back, baby. I'm back in the host chair. I haven't been here in a while. It's Jack Shot with the Summer Camp Society podcast, and I've got Andy Pritikin uh, here. And the things you should know about Andy, uh, three things. One, Andy's son, Justin, was on the pod earlier, ran his mouth about Gen Z stuff, and uh, and I was into it. Two, Andy uh, is the host of the day camp pod, as well as the owner of Liberty Lake Day Camp outside of Philly in Jersey, I think Burlington, uh, New Jersey, and then the Burlington County. And then the last thing you should know about Andy is probably before I was born, Andy was on Star Search. And, uh, and maybe we'll, maybe in the show notes, we'll try and get a picture of, uh, of Andy on, on Star Search. But uh, I'm excited to have you here, Andy. And uh, I'm hoping we can disagree a little bit. We, we agree on a lot of stuff, uh, but I'm hoping we can disagree a little bit and, and do it in a, in a fun way. Because I think uh, I couldn't respect the way you run camp more. I couldn't respect the way you try and make the camp world better more. And we disagree about stuff. Hell yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah, let's fucking go. And by the way, just saying fucking go. I like, all right? We don't normally do this on the uh, Day Camp Podcast. You know, I had a story that I told you, Jack, that when I was your age, Jack, Okay, I spoke for the first time at ACA National. It was in San Diego. I remember it vividly. It was my big chance. I had a packed room and I talked about the uh, dysfunctions of a team, the Pat Lencioni thing. And I had a great PowerPoint and all this kind of thing. And at this one great cumulative moment, right, I, I, I asked a question and then it was total silence. And I said, that is complete bullshit. Right. I said it like that. All right. That was my only cursing in the entire damn thing. OK. And I thought it was a great session. I really did. I thought it went well. Everybody was engaged. Right. And I get back all of the, uh, you know, the criticisms like a month later. Right. And it's like the Bible Belt killed me. They slammed me. They were just like profanity. And who's this northerner coming down here? Dude? I was just like, what? And then, and then I've been like crazy, like, you know, worried about that kind of thing. You know, and, and I'm somebody that's dropping F-bombs all the time. But, you know, I've, I've learned how to put that V-chip into my head around camp and, on you know, my podcast and stuff like that. And when I'm being interviewed on NBC and things like that. But um, so I'm happy to let it fly here for the summer. Let's, let's right? fucking go. Allison, Allison, uh, <laughs> Allison told me that I think we're going to get she thinks we're going to get yelled at by ACA National for how much I was cursing. And uh, she secretly she, she secretly goes into the website and pulls out my curse words sometimes when, when I put them in the copy. So that's um, 
We're figuring it out. I, I really enjoyed hanging out with the Summer Camp Society people and getting to meet some of them face to face that I have never met, but or I've, or if I met them face to face, I didn't really know who they were, and now I'm getting to know getting to know them a little bit better. You got a really strong team there. I just, I just think you guys got to work on your brand thing as to like what is the Summer Camp Society. I think there are some people that think it's like the Illuminati or something for young people, you know, in the camp world. Because I because I think what you do is good and you put out great content. You know, not just this podcast, but, you know, the, your free stuff on your website and your trainings and stuff. And I would also think the way that you guys frame things, you guys are probably more affordable than a lot of those like OG kind of people that go to the to the uh, other camps and and, um, and train. And I think that needs to be a part of what you do anyway. But anyway, I'm happy to help you with those guys. you got an awesome team and I'm ha happy to be a little Yoda kind of guy for you. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and we do we do tend to skew younger. So. So actually, I've got a few old heads coming on. I'm calling you an old head now to to talk about about stuff because I was thinking about how um, you know I got my start in camp by driving around the country visiting camps, and all Laura and I did was just ask people that have done cool shit before about their cool shit, right? And I think now the summer camp society and me in particular get a little bit branded as like a little bit of loud mouth, like we don't uh, we don't we don't upstarts. Yeah, we're, yeah. you know, we're like, well, we're kind of assholes well, I, and we're not. I think it's interesting. I, I think, um, well, that's going to happen, right? You said it, you know, in your last podcast, Discord, you know, that that's the Discord you're talking about. But I think that one of the things, not to blow too much smoke up your ass, Jeff, but one of the huge similarities between the two of us is that you went to your first tri-state when you were 19, right? And you had an early start at this. So here you are, this cagey veteran at, at 34, right? And meanwhile, I you know, was a camp director at age 27. And I was, you know, running Tri-State at 34 soon after that. And um, so I've known a lot of people for a long time too. And I've seen, and, and because of the people we know, you know, young people coming in and you know, old people on the way out and everything in between. And I've seen a couple of cycles of this now. And, and I think that you are smart enough to understand that there is a link between all the things that have been done and all the great ideas that are coming now. And I think that that's what happens sometimes is that the old people, you know, the older folks, they they get into the mindset that I've been there, done that. I know how to be successful and all that kind of thing. And they completely forget of what it was like when they were in their 20s and 30s and they were kicking ass because they were the new people with the new ideas. And and it's a, it is such a link. And I've been on ACA boards where you have both people and, and these young folks are suggesting things. Cause I, you know, I, I chuckle a lot at your podcasts because it's a lot of like young optimism where you guys are like, Oh, we should do this, you know? And, and, you know, Jack's the guy that ran a camp with no rules. So, you know, anything's possible when coming out to Jack's mouth. So, um, so I, you know, I, I hate to temper down that kind of unbridled optimism and that like we can do anything kind of spirit. Right. But you know, it needs to be meshed with the, well, we tried that at this time and this is what happened. And we tried this 20 years ago and this is what happened kind of thing too. But that said, you guys are right more than the older people are. That's just the fact, okay? Because when I was you guys' age, the reason that I got successful quickly, I think, is because of my different ideas and the way I approach things differently because parents are different, okay? You're like, oh, I'm young, I'm 34. Yeah, guess what? You're like the age now practically of parents at day camps that are bringing in kids, right? So, and, and staff-wise, right, the reason why we love hearing Justin Pritikin talk is because 23-year-olds these days are wired completely different than 23-year-olds 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, 30 years ago, forget it. It's like another planet, like another dimension, 
right? So, so how are older people, let's say in their 40s, 50s, 60s, how are they supposed to understand younger people unless they're utilizing all their ideas, unless they have them as part of their inner circle, unless they're listening to your damn podcast, okay? Unless they're talking to their people, because here, here I am, right? 56 years old, okay? And I had great insight when I was young because I was a young upstart like you guys, right? Then I had kids, and then I had my kids telling me all the kid perspective stuff, which was pretty cool. And now my kids are in their 20s. So now it's like, now what? Okay, now I better go find some people that can provide me this insight and not sit around and act like I know everything, right? And I think that that's what happens with these older folks. And you see a lot of camps that, that are run by these people and they start getting up there and the camp starts going down the tubes. So what is that? That is them not listening to the younger people. That's what that is. That's them getting stuck in the, oh, well, this has worked for so long, so we're just going to keep on doing it, right? I have a pin in my office that says, that says this is how, you know, we do this, because this is how we've always done it, right? And it's got a big, like, red line through it. It was given to me at some session somewhere at Tri-State or National, or I don't know. Um, and, and that's how I think. And that's, that's how I think that you should always be. And all these people that are now in their 20s and 30s getting into camp, they always have to have that growth mindset and know that at some point, there's going to be new, better ideas coming out and not forget. Why do people forget that? Why do people forget what it was like when they were younger? And, and, and when they were like, I can't believe these people don't understand what I'm talking about. Right. And then they become that person that's not understanding what everybody's talking about. Like, it's the same thing when you have camp counselors that are like, oh, I can't wait until I'm in charge. And then I'm going to do all these things different. And then they finally get to be administrators and they start doing the same stupid stuff that their administrators were doing with them, not listening. Right. Not uh, not listening to their ideas, just bossing them around, you know, calling them out in front of people. It's, a, it's like, wait, you know, did you forget all those things, what it means to be a leader? You know, but something happens in the human brain. I mean, this is just a human condition situation. Well, so so, um, I, you know me, I love new stuff. I love wrestling with, with new ideas, trying to trying to figure out how to bring kind of new stuff to the table. But I also also I'm not sold that new stuff is better because it's new. Like, fuck that. That's not true. Like, there's, there's, there's cool new ideas that are out there. There's, uh, there's new opportunities. And uh, running Stomping Ground, you know, we started in 2015. And um, we could change anything we wanted, right? We could not have campfires. We could not – we could do whatever we wanted, right? And we did. For the first few years, we were changing stuff all the time. We had no bedtimes the first year. I think, I think uh, you've heard, heard me tell that story. And um, – it was a fucking nightmare, by the way, not having bedtimes. It's a terrible idea. Uh, but one of the things that I would hear and I became so appreciative of is I was always the let's change things guy. And then as we started to run Stomping Ground, I wished that people would fight me to make sure that, that things would stay more of the same. Because there is that, like, that nostalgia for camp is a love for camp. It's a love for the way things are being done. It's a connection point for folks. And if we don't have that, we're, we're lost. Right. And so there is this piece where that's, that's hard. I, I was talking to Jordana um, from Robin Hood about this and, um, and her dad hosts uh, the, the camp owners pod with, with Kelly. And I love, I love that podcast because they mostly share the insight of folks that have been doing this stuff for a long time that have owned camp. And I love to hear that because I run my mouth about all kind of new stuff. It's like, whatever, I can come up with new ideas. I need to know why has it existed the way it exists now. So, all right, so Andy, mm -hmm. you listen to Justin run his mouth a lot. You listen to me run my mouth a lot. 
what are we getting wrong? What are we missing from this perspective of, no, let's change stuff. Let's shake things up. Yeah, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes there's just a little bit too much overconfidence in the new idea and the, and the, you know, the old people are wrong and that, that's just it. And, and it's just, that's a normal situation, but, but I really don't think you get that much wrong. I really don't. I just think it needs to be combined with that, with that, op, uh, with, with the experience level. Right. I was listening to a podcast you had earlier uh, in the season with Nelson and uh, he's a smart guy. I love this guy. And, and, um, and, and you guys were talking, Oh, there was the one with Arizala, right. Where Arizala who used to be the young buck, had to be the elder statesman to calm you guys down, right? And um, and yeah, I mean, you, some of the things that you were talking, some of the ideas for staff training, oh, we'll just let them figure it out. We'll just let them do their own thing. We'll just let them, you know, create their own schedules, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, there, there are elements of that, that, you know, if someone has done this long enough, you know how people learn, you know how people think, and and somebody, you just need to combine that, that youthful optimism with some, some hardened experience also to come up with the best product possible. And, and, you know, Justin is, is great. I mean, the kid's a juggernaut. Um, and at the same time, I worry about him being super, too confident about himself at times because he's had so much success at a young age, you know, um, everything he touches, you know, seems to do great. Um, but I think part of that also is, you know, I don't even know if you guys touched on it, is the kid battled cancer for seven years, too. And I think that anybody that goes through a rite of passage like that gets this this confidence and this this feeling that anything is possible. And you can even in the craziest uh, situation that you don't think you can necessarily overcome that, that, you know, he can figure out a way through it. So that's that one. Um, but, you know, you had a question in there also uh, about uh, what am I worried about for the future, you know, with, with these young things. And, and I think you just hit on it earlier in the last thing that you were talking about in that there is a lot about camp that has gone on in traditional camp, as we say, that is wonderful and amazing and we need to retain. And that would be what I am worried about, because there's so many ideas that pop up and so much innovation and all those things. And it needs to be tempered with what is the essence of what we're trying to do here, right? And and the reason why, you know, stomping ground is so amazing is because it's in the middle of nowhere and the parents aren't there and you can do great things with kids with no technology, right? And teach them all these things like social justice and stuff in this magical environment where it's not like textbook sitting in a classroom kind of thing, right? And that has to be retained. And when I go to ACA National where there's, you know, for day camps, at least so few traditional day camps that are really there. The the Robin Hoods and Liberty Lakes are we're the outliers. Right. There's camps running the botanical gardens and, and technology things and all these kind of stuff. Right. And then and I worry is that is the future of camp going to be really tied into technology and it's going to be friggin' TikTok camps or something like that. Like, that's the kind of thing. Where, by the way, I know I'm veering off all over the place. I'm doing the jack shot experience. Look, that's what I'm doing. Jack gave a session at ACA National where he started the session by saying, whatever was written in the book, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go off and do my own thing right there. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm filibustering right now. I just can't, I do not want to miss the opportunity on the Summer Camp Society podcast to give a shout out to, uh, to your TikTok, which is, it is literally the, the best part of TikTok for me. When I go on there and, and, and see, uh, what's her name? The, the, Clee. Oh, Clee. Oh my gosh. The girl's a rock star. 
just just phenomenal. It, it just keeps me laughing. I have sent so many people towards that. It's literally the only redeeming thing on TikTok to me, except for the fact that I get to learn how young people think. So that's like a great example of how older people, who, who you talk to older people and they're just like, oh, TikTok's a scourge of society. It's crack, it's this, it's that, right? Yeah, but it's it's tremendous insight onto how young people think. Like if you don't go into that and do your research, then you are being stupid, right? If you go to TikTok and, and put in the hashtag summer camp jobs, it is horrifying, horrifying what's on there because it's people going, Oh, well, top 10 things about summer camp jobs. Uh, number one, you can work for two hours a day from your house, you know, in your pajamas and make $30 an hour and screw everybody and blah, blah, blah. It's like the antithesis of going up to the mountains or, or, or going to a day camp every day and being in 100 degree weather with a whole bunch of kids running around eight hours a day, you know. So, so we need to know this because we need to be able to attack, you know, uh, we need, you know, to, in order to find these people. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that about 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 TikTok. Cleve, Cleve's the best, and uh, Laura was actually Cleve's counselor at uh, at Camp Del Myers, where where we were um, staffed together when Cleve was like eight years old or something. So she's been she's been a part of the fam for a long time. Um, but so, and, uh, all right, let's stay on TikTok for a second. I, I was just listening to something talking about how TikTok is likely to roll out some parent um, controls, where uh, parents can say that they want. Um, some like a certain percentage of their kids feed to be like educational content. Um, and it's got me thinking, how, how can we, if, if TikTok is clearly the, one of the best products that's ever been made for attention, right? It's like very clear that like people just zoom in and they're just all of a sudden it's four hours later and people are just been scrolling on their TikTok. How can we use that logic to help do better training for our staff? Like, I would love to be able to just like, have cleave like what if there was an app or a way to look at this that is you can just make sure your staff have to watch a hundred tiktoks over the course of a week and the tiktoks are getting on the same level as kids or what to do when kids melt down and they're like 10 second learning chunks inside of a feed that has what other other garbage is out is on tiktok that people really want to watch absolutely could do this jack because TikTok is like a language. The reason why Klee is, is so great in it is she's fluent in this language, right? She comes up with an idea. She figures out what pop song to correlate it to, right? She figures out how to be sarcastic and cool with it, right? And within 10 seconds, she's made this unbelievable point. There is no doubt that if she wanted to use these, these superpowers for good, she could. <laughs> There's no doubt. And I bet, the, I bet that the staff would really appreciate it. I bet they would, right? We have all these online training modules, right? You have expert online training and all these things. We do our own. And um, and what are we trying to do? We're trying to chop them up. We're trying to make them short. We're trying to make them powerful, right? And and But you need somebody that speaks that kind of language of how to take an, a, a super important thought and translate it into Martian. Right? And so, Andy, you said, you said the thing you're worried about going forward is like losing the essence of camp. Right. And Nelson, Nelson would push back and say, the essence of camp tend to have technology. You could have a, a esports camp and it would have uh, it would have the essence of camp. And so when you think about the essence of camp for you, as you listen to Justin, as you think about TikTok, as you run a camp where basically everybody's outside the whole day, like Liberty Lake doesn't have all kind of fancy stuff. It's one of the things I love the most about Liberty Lake. It's like stomping ground. We just figure out how to do stuff. We don't need fancy toys. 
for you, how do you think about what is the essence of camp? Well, I think you're, I'll get to that answer, but I think that what you said about Nelson and the esports camp, I think that's the most important point right there, right? Kids are going to college and majoring in esports right now, right? Like we can't dismiss it. It's super important, right? It ties into sports betting, which is now legal in like most states and things. Like that is real. And, and older people can dismiss it and say, ah, it's not important, blah, blah, blah. But no, it is super important. But you are right. And maybe I'm brainwashed and maybe I'm a dinosaur, but I would like to think that, being outside disconnected is super important. And that as we are doing more and more, as there are kids that are going to college to major in esports, right? People are losing the ability to have the kind of conversations that you and your your summer camp society friends were having at the bar at ACA National, where they pretty much talk to anybody about anything, right? I, th I think we're losing that as a species. And I think that's super important because we know, Jack, that in the next 10, 20 years, look, we've all seen this chat GPT thing and it's scary as shit, right? And we know that any job that a that a computer or that Mr. Chat GPT could do, okay, humans ain't gonna do. So what jobs are humans going to do moving forward in, in, the, in the later part of the century? And it's jobs that require thinking, communicating, right? Sharing ideas, playing nice in the sandbox with each other. Right. It is that basic. And 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 Nelson's right. There should be camps for those things. Hundred percent. I'm not worried about those camps. OK, my camp is going to become a specialty camp. I've already seen it. I've lived long enough to see what's happened. When I got into camping, sleepaway camps were all full season right in the northeast. OK, not in not in the Midwest, but in the northeast, people went to sleepaway camp to traditional sleepaway camps for eight weeks. That's what I went to sleepaway camp for, eight weeks, okay? Now, the seven-week full-season camp is a dinosaur. That is a specialty camp, okay? And most camps out there, resident camp-wise, are either specialty camp-driven or they're short-season, okay? I, I, I worry that 20, 30 years from now, the Camp Stomping Ground and the Liberty Lake Camp that are the outdoor disconnected camp are going to be like that we're going to be the dinosaurs we're going to be the specialty camp right we're going to be that oh you want to get back to nature and actually you know smell pine trees and um and you know and that kind of thing and by the way at liberty lake can't even smell pine trees that much anymore because we got freaking warehouses and turnpikes and landfills around us all right so like it's creeping in on us okay we're not in the middle of nowhere like stopping the ground but yeah that's that's what i worry about i worry about that kind of thinking, which which it is valid, that Nelson said, right? But I do think that that's sort of like you know that that where that may be where society is heading to, but I think that we can be like the last bastion. We can be like Dune, right? Or like not Dune, uh, Blade Runner. Like that's what I'm thinking. Like like it's this apocalyptic society where everybody's tied into fucking TikToks and flying around on their little things like Wally, -E, right? But yet. You can send your kids to Liberty Lake or stomping grounds and be able to get that old school thing, that detox, right? That old school communication to get that leadership skill thing that is not tied with an earpiece in your ear, okay? Or a friggin' chip in your body, because you know that's coming with ChatGPT. You know, I got a friggin', we had a kid, <laughs> I am diverging again. We had a kid, we interviewed a kid a couple weeks ago. It was one of the worst interviews you've ever heard. 
This kid couldn't put a sentence together. He was a camper at my camp, and he didn't remember any of his counselors in five years. He couldn't give me a name of his counselor. It was just a disaster. Now, granted, the kid was terrified. It was his first interview, okay? He wrote me the greatest thank you note email a week later, and I would bet my entire bank account that it is ChatGPT, 100%. It's got to be. So, um, uh, Andy, I got, we, we, let's go one of two directions. You get to pick. Uh, first one is, uh, is I, I tell you about how I, I think people learn how to make decisions by making them, and how does, that, how does that relate to our phones? And then the second one is, how are you thinking about hiring, you know, I, I think you just hired an assistant director, or, or you're going to hire an assistant director, or something like that. How are you helping someone like that figure out how to navigate in the camp world? Which one you want to talk about? I, I think we could talk about the uh, the second one first. I think we talk about really, that really quickly. I really. All right. So, so, yeah. So, how do you do that? Well, uh, before I say that, I want to talk one thing about staffing. Okay, because you're hearing all this crap about how uh, somebody mentioned on your last podcast. I think Allison was saying she was really surprised. She thought staffing was better. You know, it should have been better, but yet everybody's still complaining about you know not getting enough staff. And it's just because again, this is an old guy's perspective because I've seen cycles. Okay. People aren't working hard enough on it, okay? Justin just started working at Camp Everwood. They needed 175 staff. He hired 50 in two weeks, okay? Like, why? Because he thought through it, and he was intentional, and he would work hard at it and that kind of thing. We never – we've been working hard trying to get campers for all these years. If we could take that level of creativity towards finding staff, we can absolutely do this, and camps are doing this, and it is better. And anyone that is saying that is not better – they're just not being creative enough in my mind in figuring it out. All right. So anyway, back to your question of how do we mentor this next group of people up through up through the levels? And it's funny because Dustin said to me, you know, after hanging out at the bar and talking to all these people, young and old, right, at the national conference, he was like, you know, how is a young person even supposed to know the landscape of what goes on here, right? You've got these like Canyonland camp. You know, people, what the heck's going on there? And you've got, you know, you, you guys who are really tied into like, you know, the people coming up through like nonprofit camps and such like that. And then you've got, you know, camp groups, you know, of private camps and, and stuff. It's a very, very weird landscape. There's no doubt about it. And um, not everyone in the camp industry really understands. That's sort of the problem. Most camps operate in a silo. That's sort of why summer camp society is really cool because it's like outdoors at the side. Like you're getting all these people that are signing up for subscriptions that are in these silos. And that's why they think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread because they are getting that opportunity to talk about camp with other people, to get other ideas and all those kind of things. That's why, you know, the camp group is actually a pretty cool day-to-day -day thing because they go to an office and there's eight camps there. And it's like tri-state every day for those people if they want it to be. So, so, so I think that, you know, when you have Joe Schmo or Jill Schmo running a camp right out in, you know, southern Ohio and they do their little thing there, how can they bring up somebody if all they really know is their own organization? And I think it's incumbent for a camp professional, for a youth development professional to be meeting as many people as possible, to be synergizing with as many different organizations as possible, whether they're youth development or not. And, and, you know, even friggin' esports, yes, as much as I resent them. And, and, and learning and, and have that growth mindset, right, Jack? Again, that's another place that, that you and I are similar at is that the older we get, the more we realize, the less we know, right? Or, or as, as we, I like to tell young people, the older you get, the smarter your parents get. 
<laughs> that's a that's a great line. But um, but, but yeah, it, you need to. That's that's why ACA National is great. You have all these different camps from all over the country, all different shapes and sizes, and it's just so wonderful to hear how they're doing things and all that kind of thing. You know, now that I've been going to Tri-State for twenty five years or so, thirty years. You know, the old people used to say this to me, and now I get it, that now I learn more about uh, stuff in the hallways or at the bar at night than I do necessarily in a session about staffing, you know, or running an orientation. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think encouraging this young staff to be a part of whether it's Epic or whatever kindred organizations are out there, or, you know, sign them up for a damn subscription to the Summer Camp Society or Go Camp Pro or all these different places that are out there that are trying to elevate people. And they just need to talk to people. You cannot stay in a silo, right? And even if you get into like the greatest Frost Valley YMCA situation, that's like the size of a zip code or two, right? And you could come up and they have like a hundred full-time staff and you can work your way up to one day be the grand poobah up there. You're still not doing yourself a, a, a service by staying within that compound. You got to go out and talk to the other wise and to the other camps and just keep learning, 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 right? When, when I was at that stage when I was like 30 years old and I was like, I want to be a camp professional. I want to meet people. I want to find somebody that's going to invest in me, right? To help get a private camp because I didn't have the money. I was a musician, right? Um, it, you know, Mark Newfield and I, who was in the, Mark was uh, working at a, at a not-for-profit Jewish camp. And, and we were just like, we just, we have to just volunteer for everything. We got to get on all the tri-state committees. We got to help with national. We got to do whatever because eventually we're going to, you know, if we put ourselves out there and we prove ourselves in all these different places, then the right person will give us the right opportunity. And, and, you know, I understand that that is old school thinking that, you know, oh, you work really hard and, you know, good things will come. Right. But you have to put yourself out there in those situations in order to make that happen. So anybody that's a young person that's working in an organization where they don't let you go to conferences and they don't let you go out there and, and you need to take initiative on that. You need to call your competitors and say, hey, can I come by for a tour of your camp? I mean, seriously, right? I'd love to see, right? If you work at a day camp and you have your weekends off, you are a piece of shit if you don't go visit sleepaway camps on the weekends because it's that's real camp. That's the essence of camp, right? Sleepaway camps are running steakhouses. We're running diners, okay? Go out and visit some real camps on the weekend, okay? <laughs> Discord. Uh, I, wait, I, I, you know me. I'm a sucker for visiting camps. It's the basis yeah, of my whole career. Of course, my, the basis of, of my whole career is just go go talk to people. Camp directors love yeah. to run their mouth. Just keep saying right. yes. Oh, yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. People, who cares if you agree with them? It doesn't matter. Right. Go to somebody's house got, and learn. When I, got a, when I got a chance to start Liberty Lake on my own, right, 22 years ago, so I was 34, okay, um, I, I, it was like camp stopping ground. It, I, when people were like, oh, my God, your camp's so amazing, I'd be like, guess what? This is a greatest hits of, of stuff from other camps. It really is. I mean, Jesus, I told Jack, I have stuff. Yeah, I told Laura, too. I have stuff at my camp from his trip across the country at my camp. I have a backwards bridge. I got other things, too, I'm sure. Um you know, we are jazz musicians, okay? And we are borrowing riffs from people and we're playing our own tune with it. And and guess what? In the end, we're making the world a better place. We're making happy campers. Uh, Lauren, Lauren and I are doing a session uh, at Tri-State next week about uh, about how we how we bought Stomping Ground and, and, and build, build camp. It's a nonprofit camp and, and whatever. We're gonna, we're gonna run our mouth a little bit about, about what we did and, and 
try and make it easier for folks if that's what if that's what they want to do to see see a little bit in and, and the thesis statement is exactly what you're saying which is like just get to work basically right there's a bunch of other stuff but so you know from the four like profit treat it like a profession treat it like a profession right so if you were in any other profession you'd be getting professional development you'd be going to different things you'd be seeing different places right but camp people are just like oh well we, we make kids happy so we can just you know do our little thing here well so 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 if you were 25 years old and you're not justin doesn't count because he's a little bit of an outlier he's seen you you know he's seen you run camp he's grown up with with you and your wife and and, and getting to see liberty lake he, he knows some folks he has a different he has a different problem set most folks they're 25 years old they want to get into to, to but they want to own their own camp someday how would you as a 25 year old today figure out how to own a camp you know you're, you're not independently wealthy you've been a teacher and uh and, and a musician you know like yeah. how would you start to think about that problem yeah well i think a big thing is that a lot of these people come up through the not-for-profit world okay and if you're coming up working at a not-for-profit camp making you know twenty-two thousand dollars a year living on site right barely i don't know how you put gas in your car kind of situation, which by the way, it's a lot of the people that apparently on the summer camp professionals, right, are in this kind of mode. And I get it. That is a foot in the door. Okay. Now you've got, you got to find a job in a, at a private camp at some point. If you want to have your own camp, you, you want to go the not-for-profit realm. By the way, there's executive directors of not-for-profit organizations that make more money than I do. Okay, so that is a fine way you want to go up there and you can make the better, world a better place that way. And, and God bless the people at Project Mori and all these wonderful vacamists and all these places that, that deal with the underserved communities and stuff like that. Okay, we need those people. And I'm a big part of the private camps that help fund those people as, as well through scope and things like that. But um, if you want to have your own place and you want to own a camp, you need to spend time with entrepreneurial people and people who who have created something from nothing who have beat the bushes okay who have who have done all the little things it is it's like starting a bagel store right you you're going to you know you're going to have to risk money you're going to have to um spend an inordinate amount of time all your waking hours 7 days a week working on something to follow your dream and making it happen right and i don't think a lot of people in this younger generation necessarily want to do that my daughter went to performing arts high school Right. And went to school in Manhattan and was thinking about being a performer. And I was like, forget it. You don't have it because if you really you have the talent. But if you really wanted to do this, you would have to be out there auditioning, getting shot down, taking lessons, meeting people, trying to get, you know, opportunities. And it's the same thing in the camp business. Now, this is what's different in the camp business, that in the private camp world, there is there's a lack of talent coming up in the talent pool. People want to buy camps and don't have great young people to put there. I am sure that Jack Shock gets solicited a shitload to be a camp operator. And Jack's in the mode right now. Eh, I want to do this little consulting thing, right? Yeah, but opportunities are going to get there. You just have to find the places to prove yourself. How has Jack Shock proved himself? Well, he's been running around shooting his mouth off and he's been doing uh, trainings and, and he got involved in the summer camp society, but you are sort of a microcosm of what you can do. Okay. And by the way, Jack, you might be the shittiest camp director in the world. I have no idea, but you certainly seem to know what you're talking about. Right. And, and I bet you that somebody who, who has a camp that's floundering because when do camps get bought and sold? Usually when they're floundering. 
Okay, so they so you have these people are buying camps and they're buying them, you know, hopefully at a discount if they're not doing well. And now, what is the most important thing? It's who, right? That's the Jay Jacobs thing. Jay, if you ever go to Jay Jacobs' office, he has owls everywhere in his office because about three or four times in the hour that you're talking to him, he's going to point it now and go, but who is going to do it? And the who is the most important thing. And I know this from personal experience, and I know this from watching many, many camps who have been beautiful, most amazing camps that did not have the right who's there, okay? And, and, and I don't mean the who has to be the person that's like the director, because sometimes the directors are operational people that sit in the office and make sure the trains run on time. And you need somebody with personality in, in the front to be the front man, okay? That I know Jack Shaq could do, okay? He could, say, he could take on picnic tables and rally me to do anything. He's a cult of personality, right? If you have these traits and you have the chutzpah and you have the entrepreneurial bug up your butt to do this kind of thing, you, there are jobs for you aplenty, but they have to know who you are. And how are they gonna know who you are? You have to volunteer at the conferences. You have to get involved. You have to be part of that um, epic thing. You gotta, you gotta get yourself out there. Okay, this is not something that you're going to get by just sending a random resume to somebody on the ACA need a job thread. Okay, people have to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. Oh, I've talked about that guy. Right. I, here's a great example. Okay. You know, they do that master's program, Dave uh, Malter, as that, that Gratz program. Right. Yep. So, so um, a guy calls me up out of the blue, like about six, seven years ago. And he's like, hey, I just graduated from this grads program and I hear a lot about you. I see you on TV, all this kind of thing. He's like, I want to intern for you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he says, I will come to your office and I will do whatever you want me to do. It was like January. He said, from now until the start of camp, okay? I have a job. I, I work 20 hours a week at a place and I make enough money to, to survive, okay? Just get me in a room with you. Just get me in the room next to you so I can hear you. Okay, and 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 just let me do that, and, and please, and whatever. And I was just like, all right, man, this guy's got some moxie. I was all about. It. I brought him in. He did a bunch of like projects for me. He was like working. He was part of the office team, right? What a great experience at a well-oiled machine, at a private camp, well-oiled machine to do that, right? I mean, he should have been paying me, right? I mean, it, it, like hindsight, right? But anyway, um, then we go to Tri-State. I introduce him to some people from another camp. And he ends up getting a full-time camp job by the summer, okay? That is creative thinking of how to get it done. That is not sitting on your ass in your kitchen, sending out emails and stuff like that. That is taking real initiative. And, and, and this is what I tell young people when they graduate college all the time. Oh, I want to be a disc jockey. I want to be a sports management person. Every other person wants to be a sports management person, right? And it's just like, well, what are you going to do? You have to show up at these places and show them that you really want to do it, right? And if that, if that doesn't mean... If that means that you, you're not going to be able to, you know, pay rent and you got to move back home or you're going to have to live on somebody's couch or, or, or you're going to or, or you're going to have to relocate. OK, so you're from Philadelphia area and all your friends are there, but you have this opportunity. It's in Oklahoma. Right. Then you got to do it. You got to pick up and do it. Put your money where your mouth is. All right. Because I am telling you, if you have this skill set, OK, if you can if you have the potential to run a, a summer camp large or small, you are a commodity in the private camp industry. And we want to know about you. And we want to get you in our own little internship program and get you revved up. And that may mean that you start out making, you know, 35 grand a year or something like that, you know, because to, to, again, to prove yourself, okay, 
But when you get the opportunity, when it falls, I mean, there's some great young camp directors that are not that much older than you, Jack, that have got wonderful opportunities in the last four or five years, especially coming out of COVID. Because coming out of COVID, a lot of us old people, all right, we're toast, okay? We are toast. That was hard, okay? <laughs> not to mention 2021 was really hard with staff, okay? And it's taken a lot of, a lot of gas out of our tank, okay? So we are looking for the next people to come on. And, and, and I, I, I mean... I, you know, I'm not trying to be like, look at me. I'm saying, but that happens. People come up to me. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Multiple times a year, trying to, Dave trying Malter, to. My friend Dave Malter, because he's like you. He's a consultant now, right? He runs around, and his wife is a is a camp director. Like they'd be the most amazing tandem. He's like, no, nah, not really into it. He probably gets asked three times a month like that. Yeah, and 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 so, and and but you said something that I think is really interesting, which is like you have no idea if I'm a good camp director. You have no idea. And I talked. I was talking. About, I was talking with Dan Weir about this. We have no idea. I have no idea if you're a good camp director. I have no idea if anyone's a good camp director. You have no idea because until you've been at camp when there's kids there, I'll tell you what, Greg Golf, great camp director. I was at Champions this summer. He was, he was running the boys' side. I was there. Great at it. Great at it. I, I, I can say I've seen it now. You know, he was there for two weeks. Now, can he balance a budget? Can he do all that stuff? No idea. No, but so, you, uh, you can learn how to do that. You can learn how to. Someone can teach you how to balance a budget, Okay. It's that magical thing of being someone that everybody likes and being an aspiring person, okay, and, 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 and being, you know, saying what you're going to do and actually doing it and all those kind of leadership things. Well, so, yeah, so what is that? What are you looking for? Andy, if, 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 because uh, Laura and I talk about this all the time, where, um, you know, basically our bet that we didn't know we were making when we were driving around the country was that people would like us. It was our bet. We didn't know. We didn't actually know that was our bet, but that was the bet we were making, right? And um, right. it worked, mostly. It mostly worked. But what is it that you and Scott and Steve that you're looking for when you're looking for the next 25, 30-year-old that might could be the person that, that comes in and runs your camp? What are the things, that, the traits that you're going to be like, I want to take a risk to bring you in on something? Right. I think that we're talking about old school skills old school skills meaning the ability to get shit done the ability to be a self-starter the sense of urgency okay so jack mentioned that I, that i was looking for a new person yeah i hired a new person at the beginning of january and it didn't work out this woman didn't work out because she didn't realize that to work at a camp where you really work hard where it's an entrepreneurial kind of place that there's always a sense that you're drowning a little bit, okay? That you're pretty much hiking up Mount Everest and every day you're sort of chipping away at it, right? That is an unsteady feeling, okay? And for many people, not to overgeneralize, but a lot of young people these days that are so worried about, you know, their anxiety and their feelings and their mental health and all that kind of stuff, we don't wanna hear about that bullshit. We really don't, okay? It's important. But guess what? This is a fucking job, okay? And you need to work at your fucking job and you need to work hard at it if you want to be successful at it, okay? And, and that seems really sort of clear cut, all right? But I'm telling you, it's complicated for many, right? We want somebody that is going to, that wants responsibility, that is, go, that, that is going to do things, that says they're going to do things and actually does things with it and makes things better. Okay, not 
an entitled person that is like, oh, well, I've been working really hard, so I should get a raise and da, 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 and all this kind of stuff, right? And my friends are making this much and they do this and all this kind of stuff. That's what we get a lot of. That's what we hear a lot of, right? We, the people that run these private camps, are generally those people, older versions. We started, most of us, with nothing, okay? I'm not talking about family business people, okay? I'm talking about the self-started people that, that came in, that figured out how to do it, that, that shook things up, that were disruptors, right? That pissed people off at times, okay? And created our own things. We're looking for the next one of those, okay? Um, <clears throat> that's it, you know? Yeah, it's great they know how to make, if they can make TikToks like Klee, then holy crap, that's amazing, all right? That's awesome. That's a big, that's a great new thing that we need, okay? But what else can she do? Can she lead groups of humans? Can she um, hire, you know, 100 people? Can she write an orientation? Can she facilitate an orientation? Can she explain to others how to facilitate their parts of an orientation? Can she go out and sell? Can she give tours? Okay. Can she show up at a school and convince them to set up a table in their hallway for high schoolers? Okay. That we can beckon them to potentially come work at our place. Right. Could she make an internship with the county college? It's just this camp director job is so vast and there's so many tentacles on it. Right. It's like a friggin' hydra. You know, as soon as you, you knock one out, another one grows like it's crazy. And and <clears throat> and for those people that are looking for this kind of job, going back to the hashtag summer camp jobs for teens on TikTok. Right. People looking for that job where they can work at home and work three hours a day and that kind of mentality, because that mentality is taking over. And by the way, again, I might be a dinosaur. Right. Jack, I don't know if you listen to the, the camp owners podcast when it was me with Kelly and Howie and we were like we sound like the old guys in the Muppets sitting in like the corner right of, of the of the theater all right I understand that's a great lifestyle okay but when you're starting your own camp or, or when you take over a floundering camp or when you're even trying to maintain a really good camp that is that's real work that's just like oh, that's like running a restaurant okay you think anybody that buys a restaurant doesn't think it's going to be a shitload of work of course it's going to be it's the same thing at a camp well so uh so first of all, Clee's excellent at all the things you just described, and she was our camp director at the time ago. And uh, I just want to uh, big up to Clee. Clee, Clee runs Clee runs a great TikTok, but uh, she actually is a better camp director than she is a TikToker. And uh, if 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 uh, <laughs> Clee doesn't want a job, but I would send her an email anyway, Clee at uh, campstoppingground.com, and try and get her to, try and uh, get her to work for you because she's the best. But um, I'm, I'm calling you, Clee. <laughs> uh, but so. I can, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble with all my with all my progressive friends I, I, over here. I, I, I have a I have a thing that's going to get me in trouble. I want to say after this. I'm I'm going to get in trouble here with my progressive friends because because I'm a workaholic and I I I can't stop working. I can't stop doing. I can't, I, I I you know do so all here, the here's classic. A, here, here's an example. So I said to, so Jack's like I want you on my fucking podcast and I said when's it going to be? And and, and, I, and I said how about you know I'm really busy during the week. What about the weekend? And Jack's response was what's a weekend? Yeah, so so like, uh, listen, my boy, my boy. listen. I I I don't. I, I'm not out here advocating for my lifestyle. I, I, like you do you, I'll do me. Whatever the case, right? But like, uh, you know, I do all the classics. Suppress your feelings. Push your mental health aside. All of that stuff. And I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm saying that's what I do. Okay. And um, the, the, my question is, how how do you think about the market forces around that? Because why should I, right, 
like me, a person who's willing to do that, who wants to, who loves working, come work for you, right? And, and make $40,000 a year or whatever you're going to pay, 30000 whatever it is, as opposed to go do something else where there's just not that many people that want to work like this. So, so how are you adjusting to that as the world changes around you, as there's less people that, don't, that, that want to work on the weekends? How do you adjust to that? I think those people are out there. I, I know that sounds really like ridiculously optimistic. Uh, you know, because I get pissed off at my contemporaries when they're just like, oh, everything's going to come back to normal. And oh, they're in a recession and blah, blah, blah. Oh, TikTok, that's just a fad. Blah, blah, you know, but I have staffed my camp with 300 plus people a year of mostly those people. So I, I, I think those people are out there. There are people who were raised a certain way because I do think this is all about parenting. They were raised a certain way to have this kind of mindset. And, and this is what brings them joy and happiness. They like contributing, right? Now there are people that feel the opposite that, you know what? Hey, look, you know, I have two kids, right? I have one guy that's an insane go-getter and I got another, I have a, I have a daughter that teaches yoga on the beach in Panama and is probably the happiest person I know. So, you know what? You could do that. She's not getting on the hamster wheel, you know? And, and by the way, there is an in-between, right? Because you can get a job as a teacher or you can get a job at one of these nonprofit camps where like, this is your job and this is your role, you know? And that's what you do. And, and you just go to work and you be happy and you get your time off and you go to the beach and take your vacations when you take your vacations and you could live that kind of life. But your question was about working, it was about running a, and owning a private camp, which is an entre entrepreneurial venture. And, and if you, and you had to do it when you started stomping ground and Laura's still doing it now. Cause I get all, I'm on the email chains with her. Right. And if you have to treat that you're constantly cultivating business, whether you're cultivating campers, whether you're cultivating funders, whether you're cultivating staff, you are on the move and you are doing that and you're doing it 24 seven. doesn't stop. All right. I'm not saying you have to answer an email at two in the morning, but I'm just saying you're always thinking about it. Right. You, you know, that, that's if that's how you're wired and that is what you want, then that's what you can do. And I hire all these people at my camp. And if they want to work weekends and if they want to work at the Renaissance Fair and if they want to give tours and if they want to help with my staffing and be an interviewer kind of thing, then I'm happy to do it. And and the percentages of my staff of my staff that want to do it are always pretty dependable, even through this whole, oh, everybody's worried about this and that and blah, blah, blah. No, I still got plenty enough people to do it. Um, I wanted to hit on something. Jack, I wanted to hit on something, right? Because one of your questions, um, which, which, which I had an interesting answer I thought for you, which was, because uh, Jack sent me some, some pre-show uh, questions, it says, how have you changed your mind in the last five years? Okay, and I, and I think that's a great question for an old codger, right? <clears throat> I, you know, when I first got into camping, okay, even when I was just first an employee in my early 20s, right? I was fascinated by the model that these camps were charging as much as they could for the kids to come to the camps and paying the staff as little as they could. And I was like, is this my introduction to capitalism? Is this how it works? We make widgets and we charge as much as we can for them. And then we pay the people making the widgets as little as possible. And, and you know, a lot of my mentors, I'm gonna be honest with you, were just like, yep, that's how it works. Isn't this great? And, I, and I'm going on vacation in Paris and look at my brand new $100,000 car and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, it just didn't hit me right. You know, it was just like, it was against like my, my 
whole mentality of what of, of my brain at that point. You know, I mean, I was a pretty liberal 22 year old. So, um, and then I get sucked into this vortex. I have to start a camp from scratch. I start, I've started a few camps from scratch. Okay. Where you're rubbing nickels together and all this kind of thing. And then finally you get a sense of success. Right. And then it's easy again to forget. Right. And I think that, that the reckoning of 2021, okay. We ran camp in 2020. Okay. We were lucky and it was amazing and it was cathartic, but people had only been in lockdown for four months at that point. So they were just like, you know, escape prisoners. And it was the greatest summer of all time. 2021, after people had a year and a half been, you know, sitting in their, you know, whatever, in their attics with their laptops, like people were, were nuts and, and stir crazy and, and mental health issues all over the place. And it was really, really rough. Um, but what that reckoning did was get people saying, hey, wait a second, this is ridiculous. Like, like what pay is, and we're not just talking about camp, we're talking about everywhere. And, and again, I use the restaurant metaphor because I really think that camps are like restaurants in that same way. Because I really think that restaurants and camps had been set up in a way, it was like practically like slavery, right? You had like the owners, right? Taking advantage of like the, the most, you know, whatever frontline people, you know, gullible people who just wanted to work in a cool place. And I, and, and I think that this is a good thing. And, and, but the, but I, I, it's a good thing for camps like mine that can afford to pay people what they're worth. Okay. What I worry about is the nonprofits. The places that charge half of what I charge, you know, how are they able to pay somebody? If, if a 16-year-old kid can make $16 an hour at the Wendy's drive-through down the street from here, right? How are you going to get that kid unless they are already drinking the Kool-Aid? They went to Camp Stomping Grounds their whole life, and their goal in life is to be Jack or Laura, right? That's another thing. But that is few and far between. If you're trying to pull somebody off the street to work at a camp, you're going to have to pay them a decent wage. And, um, and, and that worries me uh, uh, about how nonprofits are, are, are formulated with their budgets and stuff. And even YMCAs and JCCs who have big budgets, but they allocate so much normally towards like the gyms and the childcare and this and the after-school programs, right? And now all of a sudden this camp budget that was a million dollars needs to be like a million four, you know, in order for this thing to be able to pay people competitively. So that you're getting good people to work for you, not just, you know, as Steve Baskin likes to say, uh, breathing and not a felon, you know. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's that's an interesting uh, way that the camp industry has changed. And I do think that that uh, the full timers, um, it, it works the same way, too, um, that in, in that was one of the craziest parts of the camp professional space that I saw in 2020, 2021 is people going out there and being real you know, vocal about that. And they're 100 percent right. So, you know, I, I think that that is forcing change, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that from your perspective, like that to, to say like, yeah, we got to pay folks more, and we got to figure out how to do it. And it's it's not that hard. It's just not. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's, if that's the most important thing, we all say the most important thing is your staff, right? Going back to the who, the owls, right? If that's the most important thing, and you start with that, and if, and if you have to chintz somewhere, that's not where you chintz, right? You have to, um, if you have to cut corners, then run your special events without, you know, the inflatables. Run them with your God-given creativity, you know? Because kids just want to have a good time. They just want to go out and play. Now, if you're running an eSports thing, Nelson, then you got to buy a whole bunch of computers and headsets. Well, that's another story. I don't know how you're going to, you could charge more, 
for that. Um, but yeah, I think that if that's a, I say this all the time on the day camp podcast, if it's a priority, then prioritize it, right? You can't on one side of your mouth say the most important thing is our frontline staff, right? And then on the other hand of things and say, well, we're going to pay you $150 a week because that's what we've always done here, you know? And it's, there's still camps that are doing that. And that's terrifying and then, to me. And, and complaining that they're not getting good staff, by the way. Right? Yeah, and I agree with that. Way, there, there are outliers. I was talking to Woody uh, from uh, the camp up in uh, Maine at, uh, at ACN National. And he's telling me that he is able to do it. He hasn't, he's hard, you know, he's, he's raised his, his, what he pays his staff, but not inordinately at all. And, and I'm like, how in the world are you doing it? And he's just created this amazing culture where these kids keep coming back and they want to be counselors and all that kind of thing. God bless. But I am of the mindset that like my staff is better because I'm not just bringing legacy people back. That if you only bring legacy people into your, to be your staff, to be your middle management, then they're not seeing any of the issues. They're just used to everything. You need fresh eyeballs every year, right? Just like in college basketball, you need a freshman class coming in. That's going to invigorate things. Well, one of the things I, I love about this podcast and that I loved about uh, that I love about your podcast and, and the Camp Owners podcast, what I loved about traveling around the country is um, I get to hear your take. I get to hear Kelly's take. I get to hear Howie's take. I get to hear, you know, uh, Tiff's take. Guess what? I don't have to give a shit about what you said. Like, I, I love hearing your take. And then at Stompy Ground, Laura gets to run camp however the fuck Laura wants to run camp because it's her goddamn camp and she can do whatever she wants, right? And that's what I like about what you said about the guy up in Maine. He doesn't got to raise uh, his, his the way he pays his staff because he's got people that want to come work for him. Awesome. You do you, bro. Like, you, you do you. I love that. And that's one of the best parts about camp in my mind as opposed to so much of what happens in school is we get to do experiments at all of our camps the way that we want to do it. And the more people we know running a few different experiments, the more chances we have to figure out what's going to fit best um, for our camp. But I got a question for you, Andy, because you were the Tri-State Chair, you're the president of, of ACA New York, New Jersey, you run the Day Camp Pod, you're like way out there in front of people all the time in the camp world. And you're also super busy running a camp. Why do you, and, and, and as much as you can, try not to use an altruistic answer here, why bother spending all that time when you got camp to run? And you're doing all this extra work that you're not making money on. You're not making money on this podcast. Not at all. Uh, I, or, or the day camp podcast, by the way. But um, yeah. So, so I, I got two, two answers on that. And it's a great question. Okay. <clears throat> One thing is um, my mentor, well, um, initial camp mentor was this guy named Ben Applebaum. Who, if you go to the Tri State Concert, uh, uh, kind of conference. There's things named after him all over the place, right? He was one of the originators of it. And Ben lured me out of being a musician and school teacher when I was 27, got me re to retire from teaching after five years, but dragged me and he said, Andy, teachers, they should, they should make a million dollars each, but they don't. You know, it's the most noble professional, right? Come work with me and you can still work with kids and you can make a great difference in their lives and all this kind of stuff. And you can be an entrepreneur, right? He, he lured me in. Um, I went to my first tri-state, you know, when I was in my 20s, and um, and I couldn't believe the amount of sharing that was going on with, with people. Um, you know, you know these luminaries sharing their secrets to their to their competitors, quite frankly, right? 
And and I, I asked him like forthright about it. I was just like, this seems very strange. Like what's going on here? You know, um, nothing is being held close to the vest, you know? And he said, Andy, you know, like if if somebody runs a great camp somewhere else, right? That is to benefit your camp as well. It, we're all the, raising the water everywhere. And and he called it the water cooler thing. He said, you know, if if somebody's having a conversation at the water cooler saying, hey, um, and by the way, young people, used to be people used to go to work and used to be water coolers, okay? And people used to actually get water and talk in face to face at these places. But anyway, um, he said, if somebody said, oh my God, my kid goes to this camp. It's the greatest experience. I, I, you, you gotta send your kid to camp. It's all the kind of thing. Those people, other people, they can send their kids to another camp, right? If somebody goes to the water cooler and says, you know, this fucking camp, all right, they took my money, all right, and then this happened and they and they said, screw you and all this kind of thing. I'm never saying, like, if that happens, okay, then it could be 10, 20, 30, 40 people that end up not sending their kids to camp because of that. It sends ripples. Every little thing sends ripples, okay? So if we can make positive ripples and raise everybody up and get everybody's game better, so there's more people having positive experiences at camp, then it's gonna it's gonna benefit everyone, okay? Especially your camp too, if you wanna be a selfish bastard about it, right? If one out of six kids in America goes to camp right now, if we can make that two out of six, okay? And God forbid three out of six or something insane like that, we need more camps, plain and simple. Right now, Jack, we need more camps. In in Burlington County area, New Jersey, in the Philly suburbs, okay? And in the, in the North Jersey, I'll be just, I'll speak for those areas. The camps are turning away more people than they can take at this point, okay? This is the time right now for young people to go rent space in a park, rent space at a private school, okay? Do something like that and, and figure out a payment thing that's based on your, on the amount of revenue you bring in that you pay for that because people need it right now. And it does not have to look like Camp Stomping Ground or Liberty Lake. It could look like anything, all right? They need summer programs during the day. For daycare, we'll trip them. We'll trip them into having camp. All right. Well, anyway, I veered off. Part two of your question, Jack, of why I do this, <laughs> is because again, Liberty Lake would not be what it is today. I would not be the camp success I am today if it weren't for all the people that took me under their wing and gave me great ideas and invited me to their camp and the sessions that I went to, whether it was Michael Brandwine or somebody who runs a camp telling me what they do in their camp there, right? The crazy people, the the the, the super smart people, the, the complete wing nuts where I'm sitting in an hour and 15 minute session, I write one thing down, but it's a really important one thing that I end up changing at my camp that summer, right? I, how could I not want to pay it forward? Like, like to me, like, like, it's my duty. It's my duty because I was you. I was that young person who was just like, I don't get it. How am I gonna be able to run a camp that's worth a million dollars if I, you know, I, I have $7,000 in my bank account? You know, how am I gonna do it? You know, I, it, and I took a big chance and I became an intern at a camp, right? Making $24,000 a year. And I learned from some great masters and I proved myself and I volunteered at Tri-State and worked my way up from being like on a committee to being the, the chair. Because by the way, let me tell you about volunteer organizations. If you're good, and you have time, you can be the president in two years, okay? Literally, that's how that's how volunteer uh, organizations work for anybody that doesn't understand, okay? Because most people these days don't have time or the motivation to do those kind of things. And they, I mean, you could go volunteer for your Habitat for Humanities tomorrow 
okay? And I'm telling you, in two years, you could be the chairperson of it because they just they need good, motivated people at these places, and that's a great place for you to prove yourself. And I'm I, and I mentioned Habitat for Humanities because that's nothing to do with camp, okay? But you're out in your community and you're showing your organizational skills and you're showing your motivation. You're showing that you say something and you do it, right? And that's the kind of thing that people look at and go, that motherfucker gets shit done, okay? And then they want to scoop you up and then they'll take a rider on you. Then they're willing to, in their mind, overpay you a little bit because of the potential that you have in their organization. But anyway, I give back because because I'd be nothing without the people that, that mentored me. And people have compared me a lot of times to my mentors, that, to my mentors, and that is just the greatest compliment that I could ever get. Well, Andy, I'm gonna have to get you back on so you can tell your story. I, I, we did a, a session at Tri-State, I don't know, five, six years ago, where, where I just asked you questions about your career in front of, in front of an audience. It was super fun. So I'll have to get, get you back on to do something like that. But Tri-State's next week. This is gonna come out on Tuesday before Tri-State. So and by the way, if, if I pissed off anybody, okay, in this last hour, Jack was prodding me. He told me to be controversial. He said he would be controversial. He really wasn't. Okay, so I'm usually more controversial, but I was I was giving you giving you a little little space. Usually, I I, I piss off the, uh, the our audience doesn't usually get pissed off at me because because uh, uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm an obnoxious I'm an obnoxious progressive just like they are mostly. But but I, I, I you know I was downplaying a little mental health stuff. I'll I'll get some blowback for sure. Look, but, mental health is really important. But the thing, oh, by the way, mental fitness, I, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day, mental fitness. Can we call it that? Can we frame it positively? OK, it, it's we spent a lot of time on mental health and mental fitness. OK, at my camps, we spent a lot of time on DEI and belonging. And, and we really have. And it is very important. But in the end, those are subsets of you got to go to work and you got to do a good job and you got to kill it. You know, like that. That's what my point was. Well, and, and I think. Uh, my friend James always says that the, the first rule of any business, nonprofit, doesn't matter, we're all businesses, is uh, we have to exist tomorrow. So we have to exist tomorrow first. Everything else has to come second. And I'm sorry that that's true. It really sucks sometimes because some things that I really care about, sometimes I have to push it aside. Listen, you, you can't drive the car unless there's gas in the car. You know, it's, it's business stuff. And, and, and this is what a lot of the older camp directors, okay, the old codgers as we're talking about, when we go to ACA National, we go to Tri-State and stuff like that, we are sort of dismayed programmatically of like, where's the stuff about running a business? Where's the stuff about, you know, you know, if you're going to pay people more, then what are you going to cut? And things like that. Where are those discussions? And do I really need to sit through another one of these, you know, kind of things that we've been hearing now over and over for three or four or five years, okay? And they're all sort of variations on a theme, you know? Those are all important. But if you can't run a good camp, then it doesn't mean shit. I, I agree and I disagree. My, mostly what I would say is like, where is the nuanced conversation? Where's the discourse where I say to you, um, Andy, let's pay for more DEI work. And you're like, I, I can't afford that. Like, I can't. And then we get to go, okay, this isn't true for you, but uh, let's get rid of your high ropes course. What's going to be better for, for, for business and for the world? High ropes or some real investment in, in, Jedi, in Jedi work? And then we have a, a, a debate about it where you say, uh, I need my high ropes course because people come to camp for my high ropes course and da 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 And I say, 
well, let's work on changing your branding and figure out how we can create a space of belonging and have people be choosing your camp because of Jedi work, right? And we can debate and you can still, like I said earlier, you get to go back to your camp and keep your high road scores and tell me to fuck off. You don't have a high road scores. Um, you know, but to me, I would love to see more of that at Tri State. And maybe that's just what we should be doing. You know, I should get you and uh, you and Simone on it and we'll do some kind of debate or, you know, you'd mostly agree on that. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. Is I agree with everything Simone says. The, uh, the, the. Uh, I really do. I think she's. I know. But, but, um, the, the. Listen, the DEI stuff is important, and the mental health stuff is important because if your staff is not happy, you can't run a good camp. So again, it all starts with the staff. So I, I'm not putting that aside. I'm just saying that there's not enough conversations out there about having about running a business either. I, 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 I couldn't I couldn't agree more about about that that we need more it, it's why I, I tried to uh, why we did a session whatever three four five years ago where I just interviewed you about how to run a business at camp like because I, I agree with you we need more of that like we and by we I mean the progressive wing of of camp needs more conversation around business because we tend to suck at it because we tend to suck at it yeah and and and, and from the not-for-profit camps which is a lot of these camps we're talking about here. I go back to that thing. How in the world are you going to run a camp if you're paying people $15 an hour? How are you going to do it? Like you need help business-wise to figure that out. That is, that is, that is terrifying to me. Yeah. And my pushback would be that the private camps need help figuring out how to have kids that aren't just a bunch of rich white kids run around their camps in general, not every camp, you know, paint with a broad brush, all that kind of stuff. So right. yeah, I, I agree. You know, Tim Urban says that uh, wisdom is uh, is the result of, of discourse, and that's what we need. Is I think more discourse around this stuff. Um, well, okay. By the way, just just about the um, the rich white kids and that kind of thing. Um, make sure in the show notes you put my LibertyLakeFoundation.org link there because that was one of my solutions. Is that we actually started a five hundred one c three to help uh, to help create like a red carpet uh, for for folks who couldn't afford to come to camp to do it. Yeah, hell yeah, and let's celebrate some wins like that. Like, that's fucking awesome. Let's get that out in the world and make sure people know about it. Last question before before uh, we've already run over. People are going to Tri-State next week. You've been going to Tri-State for a bunch of years. We won't make you make you tell us how many. What advice do you have for folks going to Tri-State for the first time? Or, you know, our audience tends to be tends to be younger or uh, your buddies listening in to see what kind of, uh, how we run our mouths. Well, well, and this is, this ties into a lot of what the conversation that I just listened to the podcast and, and when my dad dropped me off at college, okay, in 1989, fall of 1989, he said, you are going to learn more the next four years out of the classroom than you learn in the classroom, okay? And if you can make time to hang with the cool kids of camp, the summer camp society folks, if you can go to the social things, go to the bars, even if you don't drink, okay, get club soda, okay? and make conversations and create relationships with people who will be your colleagues. If you're gonna be committed to this camp professional thing, they're gonna be your colleagues for the next 30, 40 years. Okay, and I'll tell you, that was me. And some of these people are my best friends in life now. Okay, I'm going on vacation with them, like that kind of thing. Uh, and, and many of them are my business partners. Okay, that's how these relationships started, sitting in a bar at 11.30 at night at a camp conference. Okay, now when Tri-State, was uh, used to take place in New York City. It was sort of like ACA National was, where everybody was at one hotel at one bar. 
it is now way more tougher to do this because people are staying at different casinos, different places all over the place. You have to actually take initiative on this kind of thing. And if you're an introvert, I apologize, okay? But you're gonna have to pretend you're an extrovert a little bit. If you want to do that, if you want to forge, you know, these connections that could be really instrumental in your career. So talk to people, introduce yourself to people. My goodness, one of the best parts of camp conferences is the disarmingly friendly people that come up and just introduce themselves to you. All right now, some people know who I am and they want to introduce themselves to you. That's fine, that's all well and good. But even people who have no idea who I am, they're just like, hey, uh, and, and we start talking and it's just like, oh my God, you run a camp for, uh, for 300, you run a camp for 12,000 kids, 1,000 kids a week in Oklahoma, okay, at a church camp. They come for one week, and there's a, and there's 1,000 of them a week, and there's 12 weeks. That's the most insane thing. And then, and then a, somebody that runs a day camp out of a museum. And how do you do drop-offs in the morning? Because we have patrons going to the museum, and we want to separate them from the people coming. Like, there's all these crazy situations that only makes you better. And, um, and again, that person right there might be someone that thinks about you when they're like, do you know anybody that'd be really good for this kind of situation? Let me tell you folks, I get that question once a month. I get a phone call from somebody or an email from somebody, hey, you know anybody? We're looking for somebody. Uh, we need a good up and coming whatever, you know? Get that all the time. Well, you, you wanna get on somebody's short list, then you know, you gotta introduce, introduce yourself to them. You gotta, you gotta make an impression. Thank you, Andy. Plug, we're running a, we're throwing a party at Kiss Kiss on the Wednesday night, the Summer Camp Society, 9 p.m. Kiss Kiss is in, is in the trap. Uh, we're going to party, so come hang That's out. Great. I'll and have to be there, and, and that, which is great, which for which it means for you people looking to make excuses, my introvert friends, is go out to dinner with your friends and then go to Kiss Kiss, okay? All right? Ooh. And, you know, yes, you're going to be tired on Thursday. That's fine. And you know what you'll do? You'll go to sleep early on Thursday. That's what you'll do, Okay. That's how it works. Yeah, I'm exhausted after uh, after uh, after every after every conference. Uh, I I pretend to be a super extrovert um, all summer long and at the um, at the conferences, but I love not talking to anyone for for days at a time afterwards. So, uh, Andy, the host of the Day Camp Pod, one of the hosts of the Day Camp Pod. How do you guys say that? Y'all have like there's like four or five of you. Yeah. I mean, I was the creator. And I'm the I'm the main I'm the main voice. But yeah, we have Sam Thompson from Municipal Camps, and we have uh, we have Tiff Yvonne from the Urban Camps representing. So yeah, we try to we try to be everything for everybody a little bit. Yeah, I, I love that. And uh, if people want to find more about you, is that the best place to look? Daycamppodcast.com is a good place. There's no doubt. I mean, Liberty Lake Day Camp, Everwood Day Camp, Southwoods Camp, Southwoods Sleepaway Camp. Um, I don't know. Google me. There's a lot of stuff. Um, I, I mean, look, one of the one of the things, um, you know, that, that sort of struck me by surprise was when the pandemic hit and they needed a spokesperson um, in the camping industry. Like the ACA just started siphoning the media to me. And um, and there had to be somebody that was optimistic because everybody was like, in like, you know, everybody was like at a funeral, you know, and I was just like, we are running camp unless we can't, you know, and that's sort of uh, it worked out. Fortunately, uh, who would have known? Um, it was a shot in the dark in many ways, but um, yeah, because of that, you know, we've had we've had Good Morning America at our place. I've been on, on the Today Show. I mean, there's lots of stuff out there. Um, I, I never cease being optimistic. That's my wrap. You and Simon Sinek, the uh, the eternal uh, optimist. Thank you, Andy.
Thanks for listening. Join us for the next episode for more big ideas, actionable takeaways, and lots of fun. See you then.